0: Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks Downloadable Messages and Podcast. Isn't that awesome? It's just exciting to uh, share with you some of the stories of what God's doing for our people here. We talk about um, unleashing a movement, right? And, and you just see that. You know that I was talking to Bobby this morning, and I believe what he told me, there's 180,000 uh, 180,000 high school students in their territory in the San Fernando Valley. There's, there's not a young life, and so now there is one. And, and so it's just exciting to see what, what's going on there. And I think the statistic was something like that maybe 12% of high school students in the San Fernando Valley have some sort of association with a faith-based a church or a synagogue or something, 12% that, you know, uh, that 88% I think it was, something like that, uh, that they don't have any relationships. We're just excited about that. I'll be sharing more about that in the message today. If you're new here, I uh, want to welcome you. My name's Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at the church at Rocky Peak. We're just glad you're here, and uh, we're going to be going into our time of teaching right now, and so inside your program is a, a white and green message note sheet that, that we use every week, and so uh, I'm ready to go. You all ready to go? Yeah. All right, let's pray. God, we're just excited about what you're doing, how you're unleashing a movement, how you're, how you're calling us to pursue you passionately, and, and you're releasing your love through us for those around us. So we just pray that... Today, as we continue this journey, we talk about what happens when your Holy Spirit comes in our life, how he begins to transform us from the inside out, recreate the character of Jesus, and then set us free to make a difference. We we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and you truly uh, catch our, kind of capture our affections today and and show us what the next step of our journey is. We pray this in your name, amen. Well, our story starts today, I was just 18 years old, and uh, I just come home from uh, for my freshman year of college, I got into college back in Chicago, outside Chicago. And so, so I'd grown up in North San Diego County, so now I'm coming back home. But while I was gone in my freshman year, my folks were uh, forced to move to Orange County where my dad had, had taken a job. And so they, they weren't living where I grew up. But there was a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, one of my very best friends, who, uh, who had called me, and he had started a brand new business. And he said, Mike, would you come and help me run the business for this summer? And uh, we could live together, and we'll, you know, we'll grow together, and that kind of stuff. And so he, we, uh, I was excited about that. So I went down, and we just had an amazing summer. I mean, he, he, was, a, he was a passionate Christ follower. Uh, so was I. We were growing together, iron sharpening iron. We're running a business. You know, I'm 18 years old. You're running a business. You're, you're dealing with company. It was just like, it was an exciting time. It was just a very exciting time. And so I was kind of the foreman of the operation. And, uh, and so it was just this great time and, uh, until the, this morning, until this morning happened. Uh, it's, it's, it's about midway through the summer. It's about 6.30 in the morning. I'm asleep. Sun's coming up. just coming through. The, the shade's in, in the window. And my friend comes in, and he wakes me up. And uh, I, I can tell he's upset. Something bad has happened. And he says, Mike, I don't know how to tell you this, uh, but there's a warrant out for our arrest. And uh, the authorities are really angry and they're looking for us. Well, today we're uh, continuing the series that we've been in the last few months. And it's a series called Freedom. For those of you who are brand new, I just want to take a couple minutes and bring you up to speed. Uh, This series is really about a letter from a man we call the Apostle Paul. And it's written to a group of churches, young churches, that he and his ministry partner, a man named Barnabas, had started just shortly before in the Roman province of Galatia, which is modern day Turkey. And so we, we call this the letter to the Galatians. Now, the, the, whole, the topic of the letter is freedom. How, how that when, we, when, when Christ came, the reason that Christ came was to set us free. He came to set us free from, from our past, from our, from our dark side. He set us free to be all that we were created to be through his death and resurrection. And if you've been here the last few weeks, we've been in chapter five of this letter. And, and Paul's been the, the key message has been that the, the, the secret to our freedom, to growing in freedom as Christ's followers is to learn to follow the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit who comes to live in us when we give our lives to Christ. And so to help us understand what does that look like to follow the leading, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, uh, he's been laying out two long lists. And, And the first list is a list of what we call the dark side. He kind of kind of spells out, here's what it looks like when you're following following your fallen human nature that leads to death, that leads to destruction. Uh, leads to bondage. And, and then he's got a second list where he says this is what it looks like when you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life and it leads to freedom, to, to life as it was meant to be lived. So if you've been here, last week we finished this first list, uh, what he called the, the list, the, uh, the acts of the sinful nature. And today we move on from the dark side, we move to the light side. Uh, what it looks like when we're following the leadership of the Spirit in our life. He calls this list the fruit of the Spirit. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to pick it up at verse uh, 22. We're just going to look at a couple verses, and then we're going to begin to unpack those uh, as we, we start this second list. So uh, Galatians 5, verse 22. <laughs> Okay, so the fruit of the Spirit, and so in other words, um, what he's going to be describing here is, is kind of the, the, the character qualities, that, the actions, the attitudes, the emotions that we're going to be experiencing in our life uh, as we follow the Spirit. He's supernaturally going to create these kinds of experiences in our life. So he says the fruit of the Spirit uh, is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, kind of loyalty, gentleness, and self-control, okay, so you see, follow what he's saying, uh, we, we just finished the dark side, in the dark side, he gave us 15 examples, when you're following, you're following human nature, this is what life is going to look like, he's given us 15 examples, okay, now it wasn't an exhaustive list, it was just like, there, there was more than 15 examples, just Fifteen examples. This is the type of thing you'll be experiencing that will lead you to destruction. It will lead you to bondage. Now, in this list, he's doing the same thing. He's saying when you're following the Spirit, when the Spirit's active in your life, your following is leading, his prompting. These are the kinds of experiences you're going to be having. It's, they're not the only kinds of experience. It's not an exhaustive list. It's just an example of the type of, of list. So he gives us nine examples of what that looks like. Now, here's what we're going to be doing. The next three messages in this series. We're going to be breaking down this list just like we did with the dark side, kind of going deeper into this list. What does this look like in our life as we follow the leading of the Spirit? And today, we're going to be focusing on the first three items in the list. I'm calling them the big three for reasons I'll explain later. But you notice there on your note sheet, there's a section called the light side, the big, the big three. All right, so we're going to jump in and, and see what he says. The first one, the first item on the list, obviously, is love. And so I'm going to define that as a new passion and compassion. Okay, So he says that when the Holy Spirit is active in your life, you're pursuing him, this is what you can expect. He's going to create a, a new love. It's going to be a new passion for God. It's going to be a new compassion for people. All right? That's what we can expect when we're, we're following the Holy Spirit in our, in our life. Now, um, this should come as no surprise. And I think as we get started, I need to say something about the fruit of the Spirit. That, that what's going on is Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit. He's really describing the inner life, the character of Jesus. Okay, The fruit of the Spirit is really describing the character of Jesus. That's what it's about. And to help us get at this, I, I want to take just a couple of minutes and do a quick review of where we were last week. Remember last week, one of the things we learned is that when a man or woman gives her life to Christ, they come to a point in time where they realize who Jesus is, why he died for them. We ask him into our life. We come to that point of, of uh, we call it justification, remember? This point of being made right with God through the death of Christ. And when we do that, we start on this new journey. It's a spiritual journey of transformation, remember that? And so we call that the process of, do you remember that? sanctification. So justification is that point uh, of surrender when we're made right with God uh, through Jesus Christ. And then we we start this process of sanctification. So what happens if we give our life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our life, and he begins to change us from the inside out. And, And so his goal in this process is to change us and become like Jesus. Do you remember that? That's the end goal of this whole game. Now, Uh, There in your note sheet, there's this passage we looked at last week, but I want to go back to it again, just look at it again, because I want to ground this, and as a church, I want us to get this, this whole process of of what following Jesus is about, is this process of transformation. And so, there in your note sheet, 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says, now the Lord is the Spirit. In other words, the, the Holy Spirit is the Lord, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. So that's the theme of the whole book of Galatians, right? That as you you pursue the Spirit, you're going to be led to freedom. So he's saying the same thing. And and he says, and we, you know, we as Christ followers, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. So we as Christ followers, we with unveiled faces, we reflect the Lord's glory. And and we we talked about this last week. Uh, He's using an analogy from the Old Testament. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. He's in the presence of God. He absorbs the glory of God in his skid. So when he comes down, he looks like a light bulb. And, and everyone's kind of freaking out, and so he puts a veil over his face just to protect people from the glare, uh, but also because the longer he's out of God's presence, the glory slowly fades away, and he doesn't really want the people to know that it's temporary because they, they're much more responsive to his leadership when he's glowing, and so... so. Uh, So he puts this veil over his face because it's a temporary glory. And what Paul is saying is, as Christ followers, through the Holy Spirit, we see who Jesus is. It's not a temporary glory, it's ongoing glory. And we're becoming more and more, like more and more glory, the longer we follow Christ. That's the analogy. So he says, And we all, with unveiled faces, we reflect the Lord's glory, and we're being what? transformed underline that we're being transformed that's the process we talked about sanctification we're being changed and we're being transformed into his what into his likeness so we're becoming like him that's the whole point and he says this whole it, it, it happens with ever-increasing glory so the longer we follow the more we become like him and then it says and this whole process comes from the lord who is the Spirit, okay, so, so you get it, so you come to Christ, you, you, you're made right with God through the death of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to your life, begins to change you from the inside out. The longer you walk with Jesus, the more you follow the leading of the Spirit, the more you become like him. And so this is the whole goal. The, the, the Spirit's job in your life is to, tr- to make you like Jesus. That's what he's up to. So it comes as no surprise when we come to Galatians 5, and we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, what, what we really have here is a description of the character of Jesus, You see? And so as we go through this, through the Spirit the next three weeks, that's what we're looking at. This is the freedom that Jesus is leading us to, the Spirit's leading us to, to be like Christ. This is the place of freedom. And so he spells it out in nine examples. And it should come as no surprise then that example number one is what? Love, because that's who Jesus is, right? That's who he was. And so if you look at his life, you look at his teaching, uh, he was always talking about this. Uh, Probably one of my uh, most famous passages is in Matthew 22, and we won't turn there. We've talked about it often here at Rocky Peaks because it's so central to what it means to be a Christ follower. But you remember, Jesus was once asked, of all the commandments in the Old Testament, what would be the top priority, and you remember, out of the 613, he said, oh, that's easy. Uh, the number one uh, priority, as far as God's concerned, for your life, my life, is that we would love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. In other words, we, we would love him passionately. He would be our top love. He, he would be our top priority to know him, to love him. That's what God wants. That's our top priority, okay? And then he said and the second priority is he would love your neighbor as yourself. And so then, of course, Jesus modeled this in his life, didn't he? As you go through his life... His number one passion, if you study the life of Jesus, was to please his father. That's what it was all about. It was his top priority. And then you saw his amazing compassion for people, whether it's his men, his followers, whether it's for the crowds, whether it's for for the rejects of society, the outcasts, people far from God, people close from God, even his enemies. He just loves people. So you see this throughout his life. In fact, uh, at the end of his life, the very last night that he is with his men before he's arrested and taken into custody, he talks to him about this priority. And so in John 13, you may remember the story. Uh, he, he's there, it's after dinner. He strips down like a common slave. He washes their feet as, a, as an object lesson. This is what I've been doing for you guys the last three years, and this is how I want you to serve one another. And then after dinner, he pulls, pulls them aside and says, as you launch this new movement, I'm going to be leaving. You're taking over. I have a new commandment. I've got one commandment. I've got one priority, one top order, and it's there in your note sheet. Uh, John 13, as I, a new command I give you, uh, love one another uh, as I have what? Loved you, So he says, okay, I've been modeling for you for the last three years what this looks like. I-, I want you to love one another as I've loved you. And, of course, he's about to go to the cross, which is the ultimate act of love. And then he says, by this, all men will know you're my disciples. Like this is how they kind of prove that you're the real deal, that you're a genuine Jesus follower. You've know, you got the certificate of authenticity. you got the badge. It's, it's your love. And he said uh, that you're my disciples if you love one another. So, so this is Jesus in his teaching Top priority in his life and action. Top priority. And so it it's of no, should be, come as no surprise that when you turn to Galatians 5 and Paul says, let's talk about what happens when you follow the leading of the Spirit in your life, how he's going to transform you, that the number one item on the list is what? Love. Love. So here's what it means. If you're a Christ follower today and you're following Jesus and you're, fo- and you're listening to the leading of the Spirit, you should be growing progressively in your passion for God. And your compassion for others, right? Like this is a an, and so like I said last week, if you don't if you're not more passionate about God than you were five years ago, if you don't care more about people than you did five years ago, something is wrong. Because we just read in Second Corinthians ever increasing glory, didn't we? Process of transformation, become like him ever-increasing glory. And so and it's not one or the other. It, it's a both-ad. Um, Larry Crabb, famous uh, Christian counselor, but he puts it this way. It's a, it's a great quote. It's there on your note sheet. Uh, he says, we cannot generate true passion but for God uh, by an act of the will. So, so are you with me in this? We're sitting here right today. If I just say, go be passionate about God, good luck, right? <laughs> Like, like that. this is not natural, this is not something you can generate, it's not something you create, and that's what he says. He says, no, no formulas will produce the passion we're after, and he talks about some great things, his seasons of fasting, regular time in the word, you know, all good things, discipline, resistance to temptation, generous giving, exuberant worship, these are all good things, but they're not enough to fill us with passion for Christ. True uh, passion for our Lord is a work of the Holy Spirit, man, he is right on target there. He is right on target. And he says, not many of us know the powerful work of God's Spirit, because even though God draws us into loving relationship with Him, we need to what? We need to cooperate. So, in other words, what Paul is saying is follow the lead of the Spirit in your life, and this is what he'll do: He will create this passion for God. He'll create this, this love. But you have to follow. Like if we follow the dark side, our passion for God will diminish. You see what I'm saying? So, uh, so that's where it starts, that, it, that as we follow the Spirit, this passion for God will, will grow. But it's not just passion for God, it's compassion for people. You know, we started the day with this, uh, this story on screen of uh, Bobby and Elaine, and it's just such a cool story. It's funny how God works things, because it just happened, we're showing the video this week, there's really no plan to, to kind of uh, we, you know, work it in with the message, it's just a story of what God's doing but, but it dawned on me about Thursday. It's like, wow, well, this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about here. That, you know, I've had the privilege of knowing uh, Bobby and Elaine since we first came to Rocky Peak. They're one of the first couples that invited us out to dinner. When we, we got here, we went to Boopa to Beppo's over in Thousand, uh, uh, Thousand Oaks. They just had a great time. And it was just uh, and ever since then, we've, we've kind of been building a relationship with them. And so we've had the privilege of having sort of front row front seats front seat, to watch God's, what God's doing in their life. And I can tell you that, that as they've been listening to the Holy Spirit over the last five, years, uh, five years, and a half years that I've known them, I've watched their passion for God increase. I've, I've watched their compassion uh, in, for people increase. But you see it today. Did you, did you catch this? That, that you know, Elaine talked about four years ago, she's sitting in a message here at Rocky Peak, and God's just speaking to her and begin to unleash this, this, this compassion for unwed mothers. Right, So the Holy Spirit, four years ago, did you catch that? Four years ago, he begins to plant a seed of compassion for unwed mothers. He's preparing her, isn't he? And now four years later, he gives her a ministry, you see? Uh, you look at Bobby. Bobby's minding his own business. Uh, he's going up to Canada on a, on a really nice fishing retreat, right? Doesn't even know it's with Young Life representatives, He's just totally sandbagged, right? Like the Holy Spirit is just like so laughing. just so hilarious. So he gets up there wondering who all these guys are. They're all high-end donors, you know, for young life. He spends three hours talking with them one night, and God begins to light a passion for him in him, a, a compassion for these kids that, that are growing up far from God, broken homes, uh, uh, often in poverty, just people that, that need to be loved and God begins to light a compassion in his heart that he can't contain, and then you hear the story. You see, this is Holy Spirit stuff. Are you with me? We talk here about unleashing of movement of, of, of passion. This is what it looks like. Now, see, your story will be totally different from their story. It may not be about high school students and unwed moms. It may be about something else, totally. But here's what I know. I know that as you pursue the Holy Spirit, as you follow his lead, can I tell you something? He's going to lead you to freedom. And you know what that freedom is from? It's a freedom from yourself. Right? It's a freedom from self-absorption. It's a, it's a freedom that comes when, God, is, I'm just passionate about you. And what do you want me to do? It's a freedom that comes when you look out and you're not self-absorbed. You see needs around you, and your heart is moved. And there is a freedom there because this is what we were created for. We were created to be like God. We were created to be lovers, you see? Uh, a passion for him, compassion for others. And as we pursue the Holy Spirit, I can tell you something. He leads you to a place of freedom, and the name of over the door is love. Okay? Amen. Okay. Now, let's go on. It, it gets better. I don't know if it gets better, but it gets, yeah, it gets better. It gets better. It's a, I don't know if you get better than love, but you know what I'm saying? We're going to add it on. Uh, we're getting get more. We're going to get more, yeah. We're going to get deeper. We're going to get better. Whatever. So uh, number two. <laughs> uh, number two is joy. The second item in his list, he says, okay, when you follow the Holy Spirit in your life, you follow his leading, you kind of reject the dark side, you're going to lead to joy. And I've defined that as the secret of satisfaction. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to define joy for someone else, but this is a very difficult task. Uh, I know because I, I spent the week on it. And uh, I, I actually went to a thesaurus, which I rarely do, that's just like online thesaurus, and, and like, can you help me out here? Because joy is one of those words that's sort of like, there is no other word for joy. It's like, there's, like what, what is joy? I kept going, I used about two words, i come back, oh, it's joy. <laughs> it's, it's like what it is. There's this inner delight in life. There's just kind of spontaneous delight in life. And here's what I believe. I believe that this is the deepest hunger of the human race ultimately is for joy. And we spend our whole life looking for it. In uh, In fact, ever since we rebelled against our creator in the garden, I believe we've been on a search for joy. And so we look, at, we look for it in people, we look for it in places, we look for it in possessions, we look for it on the pursuit, we're, we're looking for joy. It's this thing that satisfies the deepest hunger of the, the human heart, you know? We, we get, we get, just, we get um, kind of a taste of it. You, you get a taste of it um, when, you're, when you're out looking and there's this incredible sunset and you look up and you just like it fills you with something. Right and that's like that's like we're tasting joy you you get it if you've had the privilege of being there at the birth of your of your child and you see that baby come out and you hold that baby in your arm it, it's a taste of joy uh if you've ever fallen in love you you're, you're tasting the outskirts of of joy you see uh when you have a dream and it comes true, you know when you drive into Yosemite and you come through that tunnel and you look around and it's we're on the outskirts of joy, right? Now here's an interesting thing. Uh, in the Bible, uh, joy is often associated with happiness. okay It's, it's often associated with external environment. Uh, so for example, there, there's great joy, when there's an abundant harvest. There's great joy when, when the, you have a righteous king in charge. There's great joy at the birth of a child. There's joy at, at uh, uh, a great wedding. There's joy after victory in battle. Okay, So in the Bible, you often see joy associated with what we might call happiness. But the interesting in the Bible is that the joy the Bible describes goes much beyond that. And the, and the joy in the Bible goes beyond our external circumstances, and, and it goes deep into the heart of us apart from circumstance. And so, often in the Bible, you see joy in the midst of suffering, the the, wor- the worst kind of suffering. And so, as you, as you kind of delve into this, what you find is the joy that's being described in the Bible is a joy that's really... Uh, deeper than circumstance, apart from our externals, it, it flows from our relationship with God and spiritual realities like the future that God has planned for us. So you get a feel for this. For example, there in your note sheet, one of the verses that I put there, um, <laughs> that it's not the first one, I don't think, but it's, it's Isaiah chapter 12. And here's an example uh, of when the Bible's talking about joy. It says, surely God is my salvation, and, and I will trust and I'll not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord, in Hebrew, it's Yahweh, Yahweh, is my strength and my song, and he's become my salvation. So, so the person writing this, Isaiah's writing this, he's, he's, he's talking about his firsthand experience of God in his life, that, that, that he's gone through some hard times, He experienced God coming through for him, and, and he's experienced God's salvation and God's presence. And so what he says next is, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I want you to catch this that often in in the Bible, joy, one of the pictures of it, is living water. So, So you think of Jesus with the woman at the well. And saying to her, she's been seeking for joy through the five husbands she's had, through the one man she's currently living with, not her husband. She's in search of joy. Jesus says, you're thirsty. You're thirsty for something that can't be provided by externals. And he begins to talk about the living water that will spring up and be a well. Inside of her. And so Isaiah 12 is probably what he had in mind there. You see this as well. And so the Bible describes a joy that's apart from circumstance that comes from a first hand connection with our Creator that nothing else in, in life can match. That this is really the true source of our joy. Now it's interesting because when you study the life of Jesus, one of the things you learn is that Jesus says this is why he came to planet Earth. He came to restore the joy of the human race. What we've been looking for as a race for all our lives, he came to restore. And I want to show you this. I, uh, if you turn with me to John chapter 15 in the, uh, the New Testament, <coughs> there, there's a fascinating passage You remember that a few minutes ago we talked about John 13, Jesus, the last night he's with his men, he's about to be arrested, he talks about this new commandment, and he talked to them about love, right? Well, what's really interesting, and this is why I call it the big three, that last night he's with his men, the last few hours, he's preparing them for his future, he's talking about the very most important things that you know, that he talks to them interestingly about three things. He talks to them about love, and joy, and peace. Same things in the Galatians 5, the start of the Galatians. So that's why I call them the big three. So so in, in, in John chapter 15, Jesus is going to talk about joy and, and saying this is why he's come to, to restore our joy. And so in <clears throat> verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So he's talking with his men. He says, look, Hey, the way the fathers love me just kind of totally loves me. That's why I love you guys. You, you, you're, you're my man. You know, you're my guys. I, I love you like, like He has loved me. And then He goes on, so if you obey my commands, oh, He says, well, now, now remain in my love. In other words, I'm leaving planet Earth, but I want you to stay in this relationship of love with me. Let's, let's keep this thing going. And, and then He says, uh, if, you re, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. So catch this. Jesus says, we've, we've got a good thing going here. You're, you're my followers. I love you. You love me. I'm leaving. Let's keep this thing going here. I want you to stay in a place where I can love you, where this relationship can continue. The key to staying in this love is following me, to following my commands of letting me lead your life, listening to my leadership in your life. This is the key. The key he says, and this is, the fact, guys, this is what the way my relationship with my father worked. You've, you've seen how that's worked. As I've stayed, as I've followed his commands, our relationship of love has stayed strong. Same way in, in your relationship with me. And so he, so he lays this out. Are you with me? Okay, uh, I, I love you. I love you the way my Father has loved me. This is way our relationship worked. This is way it works with you. This, the key is your obedience. The key is following me. He sets this whole thing up. And then look what he says in verse next. He says, I tell you this, I have told you this. Why did he tell us this about love, about obedience? I tell you this so that my joy, underline that, my joy may be in you and that your joy, underline that, your joy may be what? Complete, okay? So he says, I, I'm telling you this, this whole thing about staying in this love relationship with me, about obeying my commandments like I did my father. I'm telling you this because I, I'm, I, I've come to restore your joy. And I want you to know the joy that I experience in life that flows out of my relationship with my Father. Not not the externals, but my relationship with the Father. I want you to experience the joy you were created to experience in the human race. I've come to restore that. But the key is your obedience and your relationship with me. Did you catch this? So, So the joy in the Bible, the ultimate source of joy, is not externals. The ultimate source of joy is this passionate relationship with God that we just talked about in love. And and that that kind of feeds us from the inside. That becomes the spring of our, our joy, our delight in life. Now, so, so this is what Paul is saying. It's of no surprise then in Galatians 5 when Paul says, let me tell you what the fruit of the Spirit, what, what the Spirit's going to be working in your life as you pursue the Spirit. What he's, he starts with love, right, because that's who Jesus is. But now he moves to joy because that's who Jesus is. So he's transforming us to be like Christ. Now, the opposite is also true. And I think this is important to catch this. The opposite is that as we pursue the dark side, if we choose to pursue the dark side, we will experience the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. And so, so we will, if we pursue the dark side, our love for God and our compassion for others begins to diminish. Have you ever noticed this, that when you're not walking with God, your compassion for others starts to go down the tubes? Have you ever noticed this? There is a connection. Well, in the same way joy works like this. When we pursue the dark side, remember, uh, remember what we, we looked at the list of the dark side. Remember there were three categories that we talked about. There was destructive sexuality, okay, kind of sex outside the covenant bond of, of lifelong love and marriage. Okay, Destructive sexuality was one example. Can I give three examples of that? Then he talked about fallen spirituality, remember? And, and the, big, the one we focused on was idolatry. We make something in life our ultimate other than God. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's our possessions. Maybe it's a pleasure. Maybe it's a pursuit. Maybe it's a position. Maybe it's power. Uh, but whatever it is, you make something else other than God, that's idolatry. And then, he, then we talked about dysfunctional relationships. Remember the third category? That, that if we continue to pursue relationships following the dark side, hatred, bitterness, we're holding on to our anger, we're self focused, we're selfish ambition. Remember? So, so here's what Paul's saying As you listen to the Spirit and you follow his leadership in your life, he will lead you into deeper and deeper experience of joy. As you follow the dark side in your life, you will increasingly lose your joy. Life becomes gray. Life becomes boring. That's why we need to get drunk. That's why we need to have sex all the time. That's why we need to work for power or greed because we are so bored at our core that we need something to make us feel alive you see? And so Paul says, but that's not it. Don't go to the dark side. Follow the Spirit, and it will lead you to what you're after, which is joy, okay? Now, number three, the third thing that he says the Holy Spirit will do in our life as we we pursue. Oh, by the way, let's go back. Let's pick up one thing. I want to throw in this quote from C.S. Lewis. It's awesome. He talks about this. He says, indeed, if we consider that the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels and what Jesus promised, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures. Some of the human race. We're half-hearted creatures. We're fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is being offered to us. We're like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday or vacation by the sea. We are far too easily pleased. God has something more for us, right? It's called joy. Now, number three. The, the, third, <coughs> the third thing the Holy Spirit says, uh, Paul says, this is what happened. The Holy Spirit comes to your life. As you follow his leadership, increasingly you'll experience peace. And I want to talk about three kinds of peace. Vertical peace. Horizontal peace and internal peace. All right, it's because all three are, are part of the package. Uh, so the first one is is vertical peace. And, and by vertical peace, I'm talking about a peace with God, our vertical relationship with God. That that the one of the Holy Spirit's agenda is to lead us into peace with God. So we've been learning this all through Galatians, haven't we? That as a race, we've rebelled against our Creator. We're under His judgment. We're under His wrath. We've rebelled, we've committed high treason against the king. But through Christ, an offer of amnesty has been given to where the, the, there's a, a peace treaty that's is formed. And so that as we come to Christ, as we trust in him, the war is over. We're made right with God through the death of Christ. We have peace with God. And, and so the Holy Spirit is the one who very first opens our eyes to that reality, draws us to Christ, so we begin to experience this peace in our life that, that we know we're right with God. Now here's the thing, though. Here's our sketch. As you follow the Holy Spirit, this is His job in your life to increasingly increase your level of peace with God. Okay, not peace on His side; it's your experience of peace on your side. Because, because I, I know how we are as Christ followers. Like we believe certain things, but we don't really believe them. And so what happens is is in your life, I'm asking for a show of hands, but do you ever feel insecure about your relationship with God? Do you ever question his affirmation on your life? Do you ever question that he treasures you, that that he he dreams of you, that, that you are, in the Bible term, the apple of his eye, that he is passionate about you? Like, like are, is that a reality that you're living in 24-7? That your father delights in you? Is that, is that a, it, is you live there? Like, my, my guess is we'd say, well, sometimes, most time, not. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's mixed, right? And so the Holy Spirit's job is to take us into a deeper and deeper understanding of this forgiveness that we have in Christ, this new standing, so, so that we are free in our relationship with God, that we, we sense this tremendous love and affection for us. So there in your note sheet, he talks about this, this kind of peace, the vertical peace in Romans 5. Since we've been justified, made right with God through faith, we have what? We've got peace with God, and the Holy Spirit's going to take us deeper into experience of that. Okay, number two, the second kind of peace is horizontal peace, and, and that's our peace with others. Okay, so before we come to Christ, uh, we, we, we're, we're kind of at odds with people often. And, and so uh, one of the Holy Spirit's job is to, to teach us how to do relationships a whole new way. Remember, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for so they'll be called sons of God. And so he wants to teach us how to do so. Be, before we come to Christ, all we have is the dark side. And, and so uh, Paul talks about this. Remember when we talked about dysfunctional relationships and the dark side? We have a magnetic pole. You remember he gave us eight eight character qualities. He said hatred, uh, jealousy, uh, uh, factions, dissension, selfish ambition, envy. Right. So he, he laid them out there. He says this is the this is the this is the description of the human race and relationship. And we all have this magnetic pull to the dark side. When you come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in your life. He begins to give you a new love for people, and he begins to give you a new desire to be at peace with others, doesn't he? It feels like you're not okay being not at peace with And so he begins to give you the ability to do relationships in a new way. And so he, he begins to work in our life and calls, and this becomes a high priority for the Holy Spirit to teach you how to do marriage the right way. How to do your relationship with your brothers and sisters the right way. How to do relationships with your church the right way. How to relate to your boss even if he's a jerk. You know, like what do you, how do you deal with difficult people, right? How, how, do you, how do you deal with people when they hurt you? And, and the Holy Spirit, one of his top priorities is to teach us how to bring shalom into our relationships. How to restore relationships. And so, for example, on your note sheet, you've got some examples from the New Testament. Hebrews 12, 14 Make every effort to live in what? In peace with all men. Uh, Romans twelve eighteen. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 14 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace. So so the Holy Spirit, when he comes in your life, as you follow his leading, if you're listening and following his leading, he will lead you increasingly, not just to vertical peace with God, but horizontal peace with others, right? But then there's one other kind of peace, and this is what I call internal peace. And and this you might want to write down, what I mean by this is peace of mind. This is internal peace. Um, Even in the midst of of hard times. Remember we've talked so far about this last night, Jesus is with his men. He's talked with them about love. He's talked with them about joy. But he also wants to talk with them that very last time about Peace. And so, so if you remember the story, uh, their lives are about to fall apart. Within hours, Jesus is going to be arrested, taken into custody, and the beatings and torture will begin. Within hours, within hours, his disciples are going to have warrants out for their arrest, and they're going to be running for their lives. And yet, to listen to him—if you've ever read John thirteen through seven—to listen to him, Jesus is at peace. You just sense it; he's totally at peace. And so uh, it's in that context that he speaks these words on, on John 14 on your note sheet, and he said, "Peace, I leave with you. I'm leaving planet Earth, but peace, a peace I leave with you." He says, "My peace, catch that. Remember he just talked about his joy, my joy, because now I want you to have my peace. And I, and I give it to you. I did not give to you as the world gives. Uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. You're about to be, you know, running from the Roman Empire, but don't be afraid. Um, he says, "My peace, I, I give to you. He says, I don't give as the world gives." He says the way the world gives peace is it gives you peace when everything's going well. That's the only kind of peace the world can offer is when everything's going well. You maybe you get some peace, but when you got problems, um, then that peace tends to dissipate. And so he says, I, I give you a peace that is, is beyond what the world can give. It's, it's a peace that's based in your relationship with God, knowing his love, his care, his compassion. He's got a plan for your life. He's working on his plan. It's a peace beyond circumstance. And he says, I want to leave that, that with you. You know, we started the day uh, with this story. I, I remember the first time that I experienced the peace of Jesus in a very profound way. Uh, you know, we started the day with this story. I was 18 years old, right, the warrants out for my arrest. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned this. I don't think I did. But about two nights before this, I'd seen one of those prison films um, about what happens to young guys when they go into prison. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so when he wakes me up and he tells me there's a warrant out for our arrest and the authorities are angry and they're coming after us, I mean, I, I'm freaking out. Now, 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 looking back, I'm sure I was overreacting. When I was 18. Didn't understand the whole legal system, how things work, and so on. But there's something about warrant, arrest, that kind of gets your attention, you know. And, and so, uh, and, and so, I remember just being like deer in the in the headlights. I you know, wake you up with this news, and it, it turns out what had happened is we had one of our employees who had actually been stealing from us, and uh, and, and being. Uh, kind of young, sort of naive. We were trying to work out a deal with them to make this right. Uh, interestingly enough, what we're going to have them do is pay back Young Life, <laughs> of all the crazy things. We're going, to pay, we're going to have them give money to Young Life to, to the, work with, with, with one of their divisions that's like juvenile delinquents instead of paying the money to us uh, and, and we wouldn't turn them into the cops. This was our, our creative plan to, to help this, this kid. And uh, the problem was that his, uh, his mom worked for the legal, uh, uh, she worked for the police department at Camp Pendleton. And, uh, and so they, they decided to switch this thing, and they turned it into a racial thing. And they went to our local authorities, and they said that these, these guys are trying to extort us. They're accusing us of something we didn't do. And if we don't do this, they're going to turn us in. And that's called extortion, which is a felony and because of the racial spin on this thing, uh, uh, they, they, the, 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 the authorities were really angry at us. And so they're going to come. So anyway, so this is what's going on. I'm like deer in the headlights. I, I go outside, kind of stumble outside. It was cool morning. Sun's coming through, avocado trees outside this guy's house. I go out there. I, lay, I, I just kind of lean against the, 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 uh, the side of the building in the cool of the morning. And, and I'm free. I don't know if you've ever been there. But but I, have you ever been so afraid you can hardly breathe? I, I hope not. It, it's not pleasant, you know. But, but this is kind of where I was. I mean, my, my chest was tight. My heart is beating. I mean, I'm freaking out. And I remember calling out to Jesus. That's a Christ. Woman. And it's like, Jesus, where's that peace you talked about, you know. And and be my my rock, be my refuge. It just looked like this thing was coming down. The whole thing, it was like we weren't even a chance to explain our story. I could picture myself handcuffed, you know, this whole thing. And some of you have been there, and no big deal. But for me, it was a big deal. Uh, (laughs) uh, We're in church, it doesn't matter where you came from. Um, And so anyway, uh, and the weirdest thing happened is I'm calling out to the Lord. I I began to get really sleepy. Now, this is really strange because, you know, when you're freaking out, you don't normally go to sleep, right? But, but I'm getting really sleepy, and I'm getting so sleepy, I can't stand it. And so my, my friend, he's got a pickup truck there with a shell in back and a bed in back. I get so tired, I, I, call, I just get up and go get in the back of his truck, and I lay down. I fall asleep. And when I wake up, it's like three hours later. The sun's high in the sky. It's about, you know, maybe even longer. It's like 11 o'clock. I feel great. And it's like, it's like someone's pulled the plug on the worry, and it's just God. Like, I, I just feel like bliss. I just feel it's like this peace has just washed over my life. And, and nothing has changed, right? The authorities are still looking for me. Probably didn't think to look in the back of his, his truck. I, they're still, the warrant's still out, but I've got peace. Are, are you with me? It's the first time I learned in my life about the peace of Jesus. The, the peace that is beyond understanding. Now, here's the reality. I think in most of our lives, that that's not how it, how it normally works, is it? We don't know. that. But here's what I want you to catch. What Paul is saying is, as we pursue Christ, as we follow the leading of his spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead us into increasing levels of peace in our life. He has a goal for our life. You know what that goal is? No fear. That he is leading us to a place of, of no fear. And the longer we walk with Jesus, the more we should be growing in our peace as the spirit leads us. Um, I remember about that same era of my life, that same era, uh, not that same summer, but kind of same era. I, I was going through some difficult times spiritually. It's not really important what it was, but I was just going through some t- a lot of fears, a lot of worries. And uh, And I remember one of the passages that God used, because this is how how the Holy Spirit works, right? When you're going through a time of of anxiety, that often he'll bring a a passage of scripture to mind. He'll bring a a worship song to mind. You'll hear a sermon, uh, a friend to come into your life with a word, and just something just supernaturally speaks to you, right? And so uh, this is what was happening. I I, I was reading one day in Isaiah 30, and God just took this verse and just kind of leaped off the page at you and just kind of spoke to you. And, And here's the situation, Isaiah 30. Uh, that the nation of Israel is in a major crisis. Their temptation is to go down to Egypt and to make a military alliance to protect themselves, something God had pr- told them not to do. And so the prophet Isaiah comes and says, no, no, the solution to your problem is not to try to make a military alliance. Your solution to your problem is to come back to God, repent, and just trust him to protect you. And in that context, uh, Isaiah writes uh, very powerful words. It's uh, there in your note sheet. Um, Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 30, he says, in repentance and what? and rest. In repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your Strength, okay? And so, and so God speaks and says, your, your, your solution here is not to solve the problem yourself. The solution is, is to turn to me with all your heart and trust me, all right? And that's what he's telling Israel. And so as I'm reading this, I'm sensing the Holy Spirit just powerfully speaking this to me. Trust me, rest, okay? So he says, rest. And, and over, that, over the next you know, three months or a year or whatever it was, he took me back to this passage often to remind me, in the midst of my stress, in the midst of my fear, he would take me back to this, this passage, and he would speak this passage to my heart, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing, is that over the next few years, the Lord kind of turned this into a code word in my life. And the code word, and this, what's really weird about this, is I didn't recognize this for years. One thing I've learned about listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit is that often it takes us a while to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit, but once you do, then you start realizing I've heard that before. It's like an echo in the back of your mind, like I've heard that before, and you begin to realize that God's been speaking to you in the past. You just didn't recognize it was from Him. You see, and so I, I remember. In fact, I remember the, the very day I was in the shower at our house. I was in the, I was in the shower, and I was going through, and I was worried, and, and this code word of the Holy Spirit came to me, and I realized it was the Holy Spirit. And I realized he has been saying it for all these years. When I was in a time of stress, when I was in a time of, uh, of worry, and you know what the code word was? The code word was rest. And it was like an echo at the back of my mind that when I was going through a time of stress, going through a time of worry, that it would just be from deep within me, rest rest. He was taking me back to this passage. And then, of course, once I began to understand that, then I began to recognize it from that point on in my life and, and some other things he'd been saying as, as well. So this is what I'm saying, is that in your life, as you follow Jesus, he what, as you follow the Spirit, he will lead you increasingly into a place of peace. And, and he will do it through uh, he will do it through scripture. He he will do it through uh, a song. He will do. It. I remember a couple of years ago. And not this last December, but the December before, we were going through kind of financial difficulties as a church. Uh, if you were here then, you'll remember, it was kind of the first major year the recession had kicked in, so going into December, we were behind budget. I, I was really concerned about this because it, it meant to me, like, if December didn't pan out, we would probably have to, to make, do some layoffs or salary, something really painful, something it's hard, and as kind of leader of the organization, I just, I felt the weight of that, and so... Um, so I was really, um, about that time, uh, remember this was like two years, not, not last year, but this was two years ago. About that time, I went on a long motorcycle trip uh, in the middle of winter um, uh, up to Northern California. And, uh, and so I was on the one, you know, the one like north of San Francisco, and it's just such, it's such a beautiful place. And you know, no, in the winter, there's no one on the one, because no one's that stupid. And so... Uh, but fortunately, I had beautiful weather, and I had the one to myself. You know, I felt like I was doing shooting a documentary. You know, Harley man, <laughs> whatever. And the camera's going. You know, no one's on the roads. So everyone's blocked off. And, uh, and and during that time, though, on that trip, often this worry would come back to me. This worry would come back about our finances. What this is going to mean. This would often come back to me. And, and you know what would happen though? Like I wasn't making it. It started coming back. Is that Chris Tomlin's song, "My Deliverer." My deliver it just kept coming back. I could not get that thing out of my mind. I'd start worrying, and, and here, deep from in my spirit, my deliver starts playing. Like someone's putting on the CD in my head. You know, boom. And my deliver starts coming, and it was like, I, you know, short wise, end, I began to realize what was going on, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. The Holy Spirit is saying that this will be okay. Don't worry about this. I've got this one covered. And, a peace, and the Holy Spirit was leading me from fear into peace. Are you with me on this? Now, the cool thing was is if you were here that year, you remember you remember how that year that miraculously this large amount of money came in. At the very last uh, weekend of the year, we ended right on budget, and we did not have to do any of those things that I feared. And he'd been telling me that all month, you see? By the way, this last year, he didn't sing that song, And we had to do layoffs, and we had to do all those painful things. But the point is, the year before, he was telling me it was going to be okay. You see, are are you with me on this? This is the Holy Spirit in your life. As you pursue him, you can expect to be led into deeper peace in your life. There's a great passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 6 Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, passages where Jesus talks about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and he says you know you're my followers now that means you have a father in heaven he knows your every need he knows every hair on your head he knows exactly what you're going to ask for before you ask he has a plan for your life he's working out your plan Romans 8 all things work together for good so he's working out this plan so he says so I don't want you to worry about these things that the pagans worry about the pagans don't have a father they they don't have a father so they have to worry but you have a father you don't have to worry about these things see because what he says what I want you to focus on is my kingdom our relationship what I'm calling you to do and I'll take care of all the rest remember that And, and so this is where Jesus is this is where Jesus lives this is the peace of Jesus he has a father and because he has a father all is well right because because of who his father is all is well and this is the peace of jesus and this is where he's leading us and so what paul is saying is as we pursue the leading of the holy spirit in our life and as we grow guess what he will lead you into the peace of jesus you you will grow and this is my prayer that's why i'm spending so much time in matthew 6 this year in my life is that i'm just god i want to know that peace of jesus right I, i i want to grow in that that area Okay? So as we as we start this journey the next few weeks over the light side, here's what Paul's saying your Christ followers, as you follow the leading of the Spirit in your life, as you turn away from the dark side, the Holy Spirit is going to supernaturally transform you. And the first three things he's gonna be, you're going to see in your life, you're going to see a new love, you're gonna a new passion for God, a growing compassion for people. You, you're going to experience my joy at the center of your being and the more you pursue me, you're going to experience increasing peace. Peace with God, peace with others, and an internal peace. And, and I call it the big three because on the last night, Jesus is with his men, and the night he's arrested, what's he talk about? He talks about the love he's come to to teach us about. He's come to, to, to give us his joy and to lead us into his peace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your vision for our lives. It's a vision of transformation, that you didn't die for us just so we could be saved and wait for heaven, that you, you died for us so we could be transformed and, and, and changed at the inside, that we could begin to move into the freedom that you died to give us. And that freedom today is beginning to be defined as, as love and joy and peace. And so, God, we pray that this church... We'll be characterized by that. We pray our lives will be characterized by that. And we pray that as we pursue you, you would release your love. You would release your, your joy. You release your peace in our life. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know if you recognize that, that song, you know, but John 15 starts with Jesus saying, if you abide in me and I abide in you, then you'll bear much fruit. And it's just a few verses later that then we hit the verse that we looked at today, that I've told you these things so that my joy might be in you. Uh, There's a connection between abiding and remaining in his love and bearing fruit. And so that would be my prayer for you, that this would be a week of abiding in your life, that you would remain in his love, you would follow his commands, you would listen for the voice of his spirit, you'd follow the promptings of the spirit, and that as you follow, that you will bear fruit. And it will be fruit that's a growing love, a passion for God, compassion for others. It's, a, it's ever deepening joy that's not based on circumstances, but it's coming deep from within you, through your connection, direct connection with your creator, and that then you'll be experiencing his peace, that peace of knowing his love for you, his passion for you, a peace with others, your family, your marriage, your coworkers, your friends, your life group, your community, and, and then a peace Uh, internal but the peace of Christ in your life. So may the love of God and may the joy of the Holy Spirit and may the peace of Christ be with you this week. God bless you. I'll see you next weekend. Well, that's gonna do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.